your precious kinklings. You are listening to K is for Kinky, and we are your friendly neighborhood kinksters. Jin. And Eden. And today we're going to be talking about a listener question that was just submitted, uh, which is basically, uh, how do you keep things fresh when you've been in DS? Like, in relationships and also, like, in kink, how do you keep things fresh? Um, we're going to go ahead and reflect on that today in this episode with regards to our power exchange relationship and our romantic relationship. It might not be as straightforward or simple as you think, but we certainly hope that we can address this topic together. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Case for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. Oh, we have got to say thank you so much to those who are submitting listener questions. It really makes a big deal. Submitting. Submitting. Oh, God. <laughs> it really makes a big deal for us because um, I think the reason that I enjoy doing the podcast, at least, like, the, the reason that I continue to engage with the podcast is because I'm aware that there are people who listen who really get comfort from it and who also just enjoy having kind of a, I don't know, a podcast buddy to listen to. Um, so we hope that w- these these answers that we give are useful. We got um, some feedback from a listener who submitted the question for the FS for Punishment episode, which I think was episode 45. <laughs> Can you just look it up? Yeah, I think it's episode 45, F is for punishment. F, F is for punishment. You're talking real yeah. quick. Um, th- and if you want to go back and listen to that episode, feel free. But um, we heard back from them, which is amazing. By the way, if you send in a question and then you hear us speak to it on the podcast, please feel free to send us a message back and let us know that you heard it, that hopefully you enjoyed it and got some questions answered. Um, or if there's follow-up questions that you have, we love that. And that's what, uh, this person did. And so, um, do you want me to just read the response email? Yeah. And we're of course keeping this person anonymous and just sharing, you know, the, uh, the substance of the message. Yes. I just heard your latest podcast. Thanks for answering my question. I guess there's no simple answer, but I realized something from Eden. I have never been in DS partnership, which means I have never had a punishment spanking. It's all about the headspace. That makes total sense. I was listening to another podcast about a female-led relationship. This particular couple only used spankings as a punishment. No maintenance, no play. Like you said, all couples are different and there is no wrong answer as long as it's consensual. I would love to find a partner who believes in spanking. The question is, this, this person didn't say this, but the question follows, do I have to be submissive? I'm more of a bottom slash switch. Anyway... Uh, your podcast definitely made sense. Okay. So the question basically is in order to find a partner who enjoys spanking um, or possibly other types of impact play, I'll throw that in there, even though the listener didn't say it. Do you have to be submissive to enjoy that or to find a partner that does that Um, coming from somebody who identifies as a bottom and or a switch? The, the short answer is no. Uh, but I think we're going to go into that a little bit more and maybe pull apart submissive and bottom first. I mean, yes, I'm a switch. And as far as identifying as a submissive goes, I am, you know, a submissive to my dominant in whatever that means for us. 
Um, and in our case, that does include bottoming during impact scenes. And um, it has included punishment in the past when our relationship was structured for that. So I do want to point out, even though I may identify as a submissive to my dominant, my global identity is as a switch myself. So I am living, walking proof that you can receive a punishment spanking and be a switch. I guess I wanted to point that out because I think sometimes, especially because when I started the podcast and I started the YouTube channel and when I started in the scene, I was only identifying as a submissive, which is a completely valid place to start and end at, right? You do not have to change that ever. But for me personally, as I grew and understood myself differently, I began to understand that I am not just uh, interested in submitting and bottoming. I'm also interested in topping and I have my own understanding of my my energy that is different, that has evolved. It's okay to shift. I think what's important is to actually be focusing on not how you identify with this question, but on what you want to experience. I wish more people would give themselves freedom to ask themselves the question, what do I want to experience? What do I want to experience today? What do I want to experience next month? I think if we identify what we want to experience as more important than what our role is or what our identifier is, like identifiers are useful, but they can be really claustrophobic and inhibiting. It can stop you from growth and it can stop you from happiness. So regardless of how you identify, if you want to bottom for something or you want to experience DS, you want to experience having consequences and punishments imposed for whatever reason, I think that that can be true for you no matter how you identify you can be a dominant and get punished by another dominant or be punished you can do whatever the fuck you want and it's valid so no you don't have to be a submissive to receive a punishment spanking but i think that in many cases that is how people identify when they are bottoming to that yeah and i think keeping in mind too not only different um, personal identifiers but different types of relationships and partnerships you can obviously decide to include punishment spankings or spanking because the question really is just about spanking and you can find somebody uh somebody that you connect with that you want to play with and not consider yourself their submissive you could just literally be bottoming um, and enjoy that as a play partnership. Uh, there doesn't have to be any submission. There there can be negotiation for what that scene or what that spanking looks like. So there's also role play. Like you could be doing a scene with somebody and even though you are friends and play partners top and bottom, you decide, hey, like let's role play a punishment scene, right? Or let's just do a spanking scene, like whatever it might be. You can negotiate for that and maybe you want to role play that scenario um, without actually being in a full, you know, power exchange dynamic, including punishments or whatever. It's all up to you. It's all up to the person that you're with, uh, whether you're playing with them or starting in a dynamic or a relationship with them. It really is up to just the people that are involved. Identifiers. That's a new word. Identifiers. <laughs> Coin tier, first turd on K is for kinky, identifiers. What would, you, what would be the definition? I mean, it's terrifying. Like, your biggest fears, like, they're your identifiers. Like, I don't know. Like, they're so large, they start to become part of your identity. Like, you're so afraid of clowns that, like, that is part of your persona. Like, I would mostly imagine that identifiers are for, like, archetypes and characters on TV. But maybe as a person, your fears are so big. Like, you, maybe we all have our own identifier. That's how I would describe I'm, I'm it. I'm so glad that I was able to. 
offer that to the podcast. I think it's a pretty terrifying thing that you've created. Thank you oh, so much for okay, generating You're that. You're welcome. Please <laughs> write in and share your identifiers <laughs> with us today. Join the Discord <laughs> server and type those into the general oh, chat. Oh, uh, what was I saying? Um, I think what I was trying to say, I don't know. But ultimately, no matter how you identify, you can create your own type of play and your own type of dynamic with each person. So no, again, back to the short answer, you do not have to be submissive in order to receive a spanking or in order to receive any kind of punishment. That is all just up for negotiation with consenting adults. We hope that answered your question. <laughs> and now on to yes. the other listener question, the one that we're centering the and podcast also, around today. Also, thank you so much for writing mm -hmm. us back and following up because we really, really enjoyed that. Okay, new listener question. And this is the return of a listener that we are referring to as the Hamburglar. If you write in enough, <laughs> we start to give you code names. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> jo we have Joe Biden, <laughs> which is my mom. Yeah. Hi, Joe. <laughs> and now we have the Hamburglar. All right. So this is the email. This one may be a more personal question, but in my past experience with the relationships, I've always worried about keeping things quote unquote fresh, as in constantly trying to figure out new things to do. Okay. Now that kink is involved in my life, I've wondered if the issue is the same for people in long-term dynamics. Any thoughts on this? Hamburglar. <laughs> I love that it's Hamburglar. By the way, like, I don't know what happened to me as a kid, but like, I'm obviously very fixated on the Hamburglar because if you look through our entire podcast and you've been watching or listening long enough, like I bring up the word Hamburglar or Kinkburglar like multiple times. It's I think thing. I just really liked that character when I was a kid and like it just keeps happening. It keeps coming into my brain. It's like stuck in my head. Maybe you were very aware of him because you didn't want to share your burgers. I mean, that would be a huge fear for me. Right. That's what I'm saying. As a kid, like what like if you're, you're, you get a little, a little scalawag comes up and takes my burger. <laughs> like what a nightmare. Scalawag. What an identifier for me oh my having my burgers taken by somebody in a, are we like just going to try to use that term and like just drop it into casual conversation? Identifier. See if it, yeah, yeah. See if it picks up. I think Should that's that? great. Yeah. <laughs> um, this question is really deep and it oh is God, very personal. I think that this question would actually obviously change from person to person and it's a heavy question in my mind for me personally and I kind of want to be honest about it well first I, I wanted to point out that the way I read the question was that this person was kink is more new and their past relationships I think that they're referring to it sounds like from how I read it anyway that their past experience with relationships that were maybe not in the kink realm um, because it says um, now that kink is involved, I'm wondering how this is. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of how I read it. Um, and I think, you know, that's a common thing as somebody who, well, both of us have been in long-term relationships that were outside the kink community. And it's absolutely something that can happen where people get, you know, comfortable. And I think especially when in the vanilla world, like your life kind of centers around, I don't know, work, uh, if you have kids, making dinner every night, maybe there's some hobbies on the weekends, hopefully like in the bedroom, there's opportunity there. To, if that's part of your relationship. Yeah. If that's part know. of your relationship, then there's opportunity there to kind of try out things. Although then maybe you kind of get into the kink world. I don't know. Um, but I think something about being in a kinky relationship or being just two or more people who are kinky who happen to be in a relationship 
where that is included, I think there are maybe some additional avenues to keep things fresh, right? Because you have different categories of things to play around with. Does that make sense? I mean, I think you're looking at the very surface level like aspect of this, which is an important thing to address. And I'm not saying that in a demeaning or a diminishing way. I think people who, who are listening and also people who would ask a question like this, like do want concrete things to try. I want to speak to this from the emotional and intense level of how to think, keep things fresh. Um, and I think we should do both. I think we should talk a little bit about the guts and the organs of this question and a little bit about the skin and the care, like how to maintain. So if, with your permission, I'd actually like to start a little heavier and then end lighter because I think that that is easier and more palatable for people to listen to instead of ending heavy. Um, is that okay? Yeah, I don't know where, exactly where you're going with it, so just go ahead. That's fine. Well, I want to talk about my past relationship for a second. I was I, I got into my first relationship when I was 19, right out of high school, um, first year in college, and it took over my life very quickly. It became my focal point. College was secondary to me. Um, I'm sure a lot of you listening have had that experience where you just allow another person to become the center of your world. What's hard, what was hard for me then is that I didn't allow myself to hold the idea in my mind that my personal life, my path, my goals, um, my, my sense of self, my, my need to grow was not something that was even in my mind at 19. In that relationship and went on to autopilot almost immediately. I think within months, it was a very verbally and emotionally traumatizing experience right from the beginning. That's not how every relationship is for everybody. But for me, there was a lot of mental health issues on both sides. But there were things that were going on with my partner that were really not good, that were really hard. And I was very young and unable to process or deal with that. And I never gave myself permission from the start until right near the end to actually truly leave or disengage. I was always looking at that person and that situation like I have to stay here. I have to fix this. I have to work on this. I have to stay together. I have to do this. I have to do that. I promised something here. I promised to love this person. I, I am my word. You know, a lot of these things in my head of like, I've got to commit. I can't, I can't live without this person. I can't do this or that. This is really heavy to bring up for a question of how do you keep things fresh in a relationship. But I bring it up because I think underneath the skin of this question is also the acknowledgement that in relationships with others, whether or not they are toxic or healthy. We can go into cycles. We can forget to grow. We cannot feed ourselves. We can actually feed the other person ourselves. And we can stop. Like, you can stop. I know that sounds like I'm saying you can stop doing it, but I mean, you can also stop your own life. Like, you can stop your own growth. You can stop being you. The things about you that, that make you sparkle, that make you happy can become diminished if you feed yourself to your partner. You're about losing yourself in a relationship. Yes. Okay. Sorry, thank you for the clarifying. cannibalism was... <laughs> no, but I, I see it as cannibalism in a way or like because you, you really allow, you can allow your partner or the relationship you're in to consume who you are until you don't know who you are anymore. And that is what happened to me. And it was horrifying to stand there at the end of it all and to have to make a decision between finding out who I was and being alone or no longer being myself at all. I couldn't keep that relationship fresh because I had changed so dramatically in that relationship that I had actually changed and grown the ability to realize I was unhappy. And that is something that you can grow, is the ability to recognize that with new awareness of self and new experiences in the world, maybe you're not happy. You know, your perspective and your ability to read yourself 
can and should grow over time. And I want to now carry that into the relationship I'm in and also just into life in general. I want to globalize that for everybody. We change and we grow over time. Every five to six years, every seven years, every 10 years, you get to start your cycle over and over again. You get to be yourself and discover yourself so many times. Our culture and our society focuses heavily on children and teenagers discovering who they are. A lot of our stories are about that age group, but we don't often hear stories about people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s continuously rediscovering who they are. But we do, you know, and I wish our culture and our community talked more about the fact that we change, that when you're in a partnership with somebody long term, you're with all of them, not just the one that you started dating. You're with them as they grow and change. And that is if you stay and it works and you still love them, you get to love a person through all of these seasons and all of these changes, all of these metamorphoses, like you get to love that person and fall back in love with that person. That is beautiful. To me, that is a long-term relationship is falling in love over and over again, holding memory of who the person was, celebrating the way they grow and change, and hopefully being able to grow and change yourself and being loved that same way back. To me, that's what I'm looking for now. And I believe that's who I have in my partner. And I'll tell you the reason I said this is a hard conversation to have is because we've had a lot of growth and a lot of change this year, you know, and I want to be real. How do you keep things fresh when so much changes, when there is so much in life that places stress? How do you focus on not just the love and the life, but on sex, on romance, on DS, on kink? How do you keep it fresh? You know, and I wanted to dive underneath the skin of this for a second to first point out part of keeping it fresh is being able to have conversations about when you are changing. It's being able to reassess what your needs are, what your perspective on yourself and the world around you is. And it's also being able to step forward and say, I do want you and I do want this or I don't want you anymore and I don't want this. And if you decide I do want you and I do want this, you get to discover what is new. You get to discover what is fresh, but you have to be willing to look at what is not working or what you don't want anymore or what you do want. Maybe a new interest has developed. I think that's also part of a long-term relationship is engaging in new things and breaking some patterns, you know, and I think the lure of a long-term relationship is the comfort. It is the pattern. It's the fact, and I mention it on the podcast all the time, but being able to burp and fart next to this woman is fantastic. I mean, we, she's making a face right now. I think she's disgusted every time I bring up that we have bodily functions on the podcast, but like that is the dream of being able to be yourself. That is the dream. Yes. The dream is that. Now we're going to go into the surface level and like more of the fun stuff. Oh, which is I was going to continue what you're talking about, actually. Oh, oh, okay, never mind. Then Miss Jen wants to get right into the guts of this thing. Go ahead. Well, because I wasn't sure where you were going with it when you first introduced it. But now so you know. I think, you know, part of it is with a long-term relationship to expect the unexpected, right? To not expect that everything will stay the same as it is when you first meet um, or even just in the first couple of years. If you expect something that Mr. Cyan says a lot that I that I like to say is the quickest way to disappointment is through expectation. It's true. You know, if, if we meet somebody and, you know, we're we start a relationship with them and the expectation is, oh, this is great. And neither of us is going to change. We love each other just the way we are. Well, 
you're probably going to end up disappointed because most people change, (laughs) you know, whether they want to or not, even people who are not necessarily in a growth mindset, as you get older, things are going to change. They just do. Philosophy changes, perspective changes, hell, bodies change, like so many things change. Oh my God. (laughs) And... It's, I was thinking about it as parallel to like raising a child, right? Because it's more obvious in children. You, you mentioned how we kind of look at this in childhood in terms of all the change and growth that happens. But if I'm a parent, well, I'm a parent, but if I am looking at my child and I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, this newborn baby is so cute. Oh my God. I just want this baby to stay just like this forever and ever. And then they get a little older. And now this infant is a toddler. And if you sit and stay in the, oh, but I really liked them as a newborn. The pudgy I really want to go back baby. to the newborn, you know, stage. I just loved that. I wish, you know, it could just be forever. And you stay in that, you're going to, you're going to miss out, obviously, on how wonderful it is to have a toddler parents don't come at me I understand every stage is difficult or has its difficulties but like if you can grow with that child and look at oh my gosh yes like that newborn stage was amazing and fantastic and had its stuff too but like now they're a toddler look at these other things that they can do now look at how much growth they've had look at them discover these things about themselves and the world around them that is so cool right and they keep growing they keep getting older um and you, if you can keep seeing, and most parents, I think, do this, they might miss things about the past, but I think they also look at and expect their child to change. They expect that. And so it's not up for resistance, right? We want that. We want our children to grow. So why don't we take that into our relationships, right? Because just because our growth spurt as a human, which usually climaxes around 25, 30, in terms of becoming more settled in who we are, essentially. Oh, is that what's going on? (laughs) Um. I'm baby phoenixing over here. For those of you who know, you know, but like, (laughs) yes, a lot of change at age 31. Yeah. But if you expect that you and the person you're with are continuously growing even past that I keep saying climax <laughs> you do and I almost made fun of it early and didn't want to derail you but then you just said it so the peak peak uh well, I like climax we're a kick podcast keep keep right. saying climax if you're not growing you're dying like it's it's should it's something that should be expected throughout life the issue comes in when you have poo, to, poo. when you have poo <laughs> um I'm losing it when you have two people <clears throat> who have come together two poople <laughs> stop <laughs> you're gonna throw me off. number two poople okay we're good. we're good we're good we're good we're good we're good we're good oh my god did we really just do potty jokes and you're crying over it she's actually crying from laughing hard enough um okay. oh, i want to formally apologize to all listeners it's a very serious like in-depth and emotional part of the conversation and we're telling poople and pee-pee jokes <laughs> because we're cutting the tension okay. we're keeping it fresh um <laughs> There you go. If you expect that you're the only person who is going to change in that relationship because you're okay with your own growth, but not that of your partners, that's going to be an issue. And I think that's the key to a relationship lasting a long time is going through those growth spurts. Even if there's some, 
you know, some uh, growing pains in there. But getting through those growing pains to get to the growth spurts and adjusting, being flexible to what is the redefined human in front of you, as well as how that affects the relationship itself. I do want to say, like, I've never been in a relationship like this until now. And I have not known until recently that I'm in a relationship like this because I have not engaged until this year in like radical self growth and change in a positive way. And my partner and I have been processing that. And also my partner has changed. Like opening up to poly play has changed things in a very positive way. And like I can watch the positive impact on my partner. I know that I've actually had weirdly enough like a lot of change some setbacks and I've also never been closer to who I truly am than this year and I still have this partner that I'm with who is there with me through hard times and also there with me through good times and I'm learning to find the joy and this is a tip for how to keep it fresh I'm learning to find the joy in things that are common and in things that are not remarkable but that when I die and I look back on my life are moments I will wish I could have again. I am learning to take great joy in looking at her while we're drinking coffee. I'm learning to laugh more instead of getting irritated, which is something that I never could do before. And something shifted in me recently where there's been so much grief in my heart that it's caused me to look at my life through a lens of loss and also through a lens of death. And that has been a positive change because I've suddenly able to appreciate life. Without darkness, we can not know the light. Yeah, I think we only get to be here for the time that we get. And what am I most enjoying about my partnership with this person? And I think it's important to know, like, what do I love the most? And for me, it is those moments of coffee in the morning. It is watching TV at night. It's watching her. You can do it. I can do it. (laughs) It's watching her love our cats. It's listening to her laugh. (laughs) It, It is... All of these little moments that are not so spectacular. They're not, you know, standing on the cliff and getting proposed to or, you know, jumping off. I don't know. I'm all over with cliff imagery, but it's (laughs) it's not the adrenaline rush moments. It's not the things that like people said, the best day of my life, the best day of my life is all of those moments. And I am taking joy in all of those little things because I love her and that's what I want. And that's what my life is really for, or for those types of moments, those types of pleasures that when I look back, it's going to be those things, those quiet moments that I am going to miss. And so as I'm living them now, I'm giving myself permission to live the hell out of those moments. And I strongly advise that if you are in any relationship or just in life, if you are on your own living life, to start to find those things that you take for granted as always there and to really sit in that present moment and appreciate that that is a joy that is a gift because that is what has changed for me recently the most and it's allowed me to laugh when I would have been angry it's allowed me to realize even with my generalized anxiety disorder and OCD how small some of the things that bother me really are You know, and I think that that's something that's really critical in a long-term relationship and also just in general in your life, you don't have the energy and time. You don't have the time you think to be, to be fretting over things, you know, the way that you may, might do. I know for me, that's at least true, but laughter has been something that has come into our relationship again, that is huge. 
for us. And I can tell the days where there's a little less laughter, but I can also tell the moments where there would have been frustration and instead I'm laughing and she's laughing and I'm, I'm seeing her in more joy and that gives me joy. And that's something that helps keep it fresh because it makes you want to spend time with the person. One factor that I have seen over the years of anybody I know who is in a long-term relationship is, and I'm going to speak to two people. I'm not going into like poly stuff, but having enough individual agency and what's the word I'm looking for? Autonomy. (laughs) I knew it was an A word, but I kept wanting to say anarchy and I knew was not having enough anarchy (laughs) in your relationship (laughs) okay so back to my point (laughs) one common thread that I see is two people having autonomy having separate interests having their own things that they do not being attached at the hip and I, I think something that we kind of fell into right away was really overlapping a lot like right from the start and something that we've noticed now is that we're trying to kind of uncoil that a little bit in a very positive way. Um, And what we found is, you know, in terms of like keeping it fresh, we can, you know, be focusing on our own stuff during the day and then come back together and have things to share with each other, you know, going and having other experiences, going to dinner with friends and not having to always go to everything as a couple. Um, you know, obviously in, in our life, opening up to poly play, having play partnerships, not that we come home and describe all of that to each other, but the, the point is having those things, right? Having those separate interests and experiences in time um, gives you a reason to look forward to seeing each other again and sharing how your day was, even if it's stuff that takes you away for a little bit, like some people have work that requires travel every so often. I know Eden has a friend that she visits that's kind of far away every so often. And so, you know, sometimes she might be gone for two, three, four days. And it's, we look at that as a positive because of several factors. One, we have some time apart. We have time to, you know, kind of miss each other and, you know, have have some time to spend kind of doing our own thing. She gets a ton of time with somebody who is very important to her. I get me time. Uh, Unlimited which is... scrolling without interruption <laughs> or expectation to engage. <laughs> or watching my own stupid TV shows that you don't want to watch. Miss Jen likes to watch TV shows that make her cry. I support oh her God. doing that alone. <laughs> uh, um, but the point is that there's separation and there's not fear in the separation. Right? There's there's support in the separation. Not only for the other person to do things that give them joy and fulfill them, but to also be able to come back together then at the end of that and be like, hey, like this was great. Appreciating the other person supporting you in that, being able to share, depending on what it was you were doing, sharing details of the experience. You know, we went shopping and I bought this rock and whatever. Um, that literally is something that happens. I, know. I almost made fun of you. And I was like, oh, wait, that is what I do. Yeah. I do buy rocks a lot. Okay. That, yeah. Um, I, mean, I call them crystals. Well, but I, I guess yeah, a rock I, is I thought a it'd queen. be funnier if I said rock. No, it's um, correct. It's still a rock. But, you know, you can share those things. And one thing that, you know, we find was happening that 
that got in the way of that was that we were so overlapped and we did so much. Not only do we both mostly work from home when we're not working from home, we're still working together, putting events on because of certain, you know, protocols and things. It was this sort of constant, you know, check in throughout the day of all different types. And we recently realized like, hey, like, let's have a balance of connecting connectedness being intertwined in certain ways and that autonomy right and there's a balance there Um, I think all of one on either end no bueno but if you can find a balance of the two so that you can share your life but also have moments where you have the opportunity to share your individual life with your partner that can be really important and I think that's a big piece of a relationship that lasts a long time is is having some autonomy well and and on that note like I think we're taught to look at couples as sharing one life like and I I believe this you complete me yeah I think it is part of programming literally tv programming but I mean like the way we are programmed by our culture and our community and by the way that relationships and love are talked about is like two halves to a whole it is like when you join with somebody like we're now on the same path together and I think something that I believe that I'm beginning to believe more and more is like actually I'm on my path you're on your path we're making sure that we're always within earshot and sight sound of each other and we we stay together like we survive this world together we we build a home together we are here for each other we we come back to each other but I still need to walk my path. I still need to live a full and complete life that is mine. But I choose to come home to you. And I get to come home to you. And I get to know you and you get to know me and we get to support each other. That is the way that I'm now looking at our relationship. And that's also like pretty radical for us because I think one thing that we're having to deal with is how much DS is involved and wh- what that overlays with now that we're kind of growing the relationship and partnership aspect a little bit more this is a balancing act this is what changes um you know and i i think that uh some people if you if you look at a de-escalation or you look at redefinition as failure and as loss which it can feel like both of those things especially at first but if you look at change as a negative it it will be if you look at it as an opportunity as improvement as tinkering as rebalancing as making sure everything can continue you know getting a tune-up for the car like if you look at it like that all you really have in front of you is growth what it came down to for me and what it comes down to for me with my, my my partner is what do i need to feel stable and what do i want in this relationship what's most important to me and what do i love about her and like just focusing on those things and not really putting as much worry and emphasis on other things. And like we will look and tinker with certain stuff when we need to. But like, yeah, like what do you need from the relationship you're in? Do you need a partner? Do you need somebody to go through all seasons of life with? Like, do you want it to be very long term? Can it be less long term or, or can it be less overlapped? Do you just want a certain type of relationship? Like this is all stuff to ask yourself. And this is why our answers can be globally applied, but it is going to vary based on who you are, based on what you want, based on if you are in a 247, based on if you are living together, based on if you are long distance, based on if there's any DS at all. Um, MMV. 
and envy. Mileage may vary. Yes, mileage may vary. <laughs> um, but I think some some universal things are kind of what we talked about. Yeah, like definitely the autonomy, definitely the laughter, finding that joy, focusing on joy. And, and I would just also challenge you as we're rounding out this question because like we can talk a little bit about things that you can do in kink to like spice it up, you know, but like really what are you living for? This is a question that I have been sitting with. What am I living for? Hot sourdough with warm butter. That's not a bad answer. <laughs> what do we wait all day to do? What do we dream about doing in a month? What are the things that we look forward to the most? And can you add more of that into your life? And does the person that you want to be with or the people you're with or the people in your life, your friends, your family, your chosen family, your partners, what do you live for with them? Why are they in your life? Why are you in their life? And what do you get that is so beautiful and wonderful that you want more of? Because to me, that is now the way that I look at every person in my life and at this relationship. And also at myself. I ask myself, what do I want from life? I am going to make sure that my life is filled with as much of that as possible while still being healthy. And anything else in my life that isn't those things had better be there because it has to be to sustain the rest of my life. But that's also a way of looking at your relationships is like make sure that as much as possible you are focusing on that person and being there with them and enjoying them and enjoying what you can do together. We did promise to tell the listener some surface level things. That was surface. <laughs> that was on the surface. Eh. Um. <laughs> So let's let's round out and at least speak to that a little bit. I think, though, the things that we've discussed are good, uh, good lessons to practice. Part of it is what I was talking about before, which is that autonomy. So you're going to have things to share. So that's going to keep it fresh just because you get to share things with each other that the other person wasn't just automatically there for because you're together all the time. Oops. Um. <laughs> Oops. First four years. Sorry about that. Um. <laughs> When it comes to relationships, we can speak to uh, people who are not in the kink community. And if if sex is a part of your relationship, there's obviously lots of different things to try in the bedroom. I think, though, that kink, uh, in particular, the the physical acts portion of the BDSM world offers even a larger playground, if you will, um, of things to try. Right. So. There's a lot more to choose from as you add and are open to adding new things. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say like one, make sure that you have sacred time together. That is something that everybody talks about, but it's super duper easy to not do this. Yeah, of course, of course I'm going to do that. You know, and then you're in the relationship and you're just going through day to day and you're just trying to survive and you forget to make time where you're like, well, we watched TV last night together, so that's kind of a date. Well, I mean, I smacked you for 20 minutes over here, so that was kind of a scene. Like, it's very easy to not... What, what? Consensually. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, well, yeah. Obviously, sorry. Thank you for adding that, but I really hope the listeners do know, know. that when I say things like that, I'm referencing consensual. I'm not advocating for anything other than that. Um, but it, it's easy to kind of slippery slope accept less from each other under the like notion that you're just trying to like get through and you're very tired but if you don't make that time and you don't hold that space pretty rigidly and like yes some compromise sometimes but like if you really don't honor it you will see it leave your relationship just by force of comfort and habit like 
you will no longer have as many opportunities for sex, for play, and for dating if you don't make them. Because it's very easy to just fall into the ease of pattern. Very easy to fall into the ease. It's very easy to fall into pattern. So that's like the first can, piece. Yeah, you can take your partner for granted in the time that you spend together, right? So it just becomes kind of the background of your life rather than something that you feel connected in. Um, yeah, um, so there's that piece. I think also, yes, like switching it up, like one find things that you really enjoy ask for things that you enjoy and like give feedback if you're not liking something and then allow yourself from a scene standpoint and from kink to broaden your mind beyond like impact play or beyond like whatever your general type of kink is because I know for us like yes we like impact play but sometimes I really need a sensual scene like I just really need to feel held or supported or like dominated in a way that is comforting um we found that wax play is something that works well for that um you know i think recently we had a really emotional scene i was emotional for me um you know and that's something else i want to point out like when you are a long-term partner with somebody your scenes are never the same like you have times where the scene isn't as good as another that you had or you'll have times when you emotionally are showing up but like something has happened to you you know, we have times in our life when we're raw or we're grieving or whatever, and we may choose with a trusted partner to play, to seek catharsis, to seek comfort. But you may find out that you're crying in that scene simply by being touched or like maybe your your ability to be impacted is like different, you know, like literally maybe your pain tolerance is lower as a result of emotional stuff or, or, or physical stuff like being on your period or whatever, right? So, um... But I, I have found that accepting that scenes can look so different, that somebody just having you crawl to them or or laying on top of you and using their body weight to hold you there and just possessing you or, or wax or impact or like a number of things can be a scene. We, I think sometimes we box ourselves into like, well, it's not a real scene unless X, Y, and Z happens. And like, I am not suggesting that anybody's walking around being judgmental that way towards others, but I think sometimes we box ourselves in. We have these secret rules or expectations in our own head, and it limits our ability to engage in scenes and sex and, like, anything versus being like, hey, let's adjust to what we want to do today. In the same way that I suggested earlier, like, adjust to what you want to experience, not what your identifier is. Like, what do you want to experience tonight? Maybe you want to experience a massage and a little bit of spanking, and that's it. Maybe you want to be really rough and tumble. Maybe you want to do this or that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that is a way of keeping it fresh, is actually having the conversation about what feeling do you want tonight? What sensations are you really craving? And not feeling the pressure to, if you are a bottom and you are normally a masochist, like, not feeling the pressure to experience a lot of pain if you're not there. Um, and also as a top, like not feeling the pressure to be really aggressive or really like super intense if that's not where you are either. Like find out where you are and find out something to do together that feels really wholesome and good to you. And that is a scene. I think it's also really important to be intentional about your time together, whether it's a scene or a date or whatever. We're talking about having, you know, play scenes, not just, okay, yeah, tonight we're playing all right, get up on that cross. I'm going to spank you for a while and throw some things at you and do the things. And okay, we're done. We'll have some aftercare. All right, what's for dinner? And, uh, you know, it's it, <laughs> that to me is 
it's not necessarily disconnected, but it can feel that way. Having intentionality around scenes and really zeroing in on your person, talking about it, debriefing, you know, afterwards, talking about sharing with each other your favorite parts, obviously working through anything that didn't go well. That is all learning each other. That is growing together. You know, as you play, you're probably going to try different things. And even if you do the same things every time, each scene is still going to, in my mind anyway, feel different, right? Because there's, there's so many factors that go into every time you play. Even if it's the same person with the same implements, you've got what the bottom is feeling or what they've gone through that day or recently in their life. You've got what the top is feeling and having gone through in their life. You've got, you know, whatever happened during the day and sort of where their head is at. Intention of the scene itself in terms of what do we want to feel in this? You know, do we want to use these same implements and use them heavy and have kind of a a more intense scene? Or do we want to maybe set some of the implements aside and just do some energy work and some connected, gentle space um, with one another? Being open to things looking different, not feeling like every scene you have to use certain implements or do certain things. Again, it's sort of a microcosm of this idea that we've been discussing in terms of being open to change, right? It's also being open to change within scenes to embrace the change, to celebrate the differences. The other piece that I wanted to speak to is is the power exchange piece. If you do have power exchange in your dynamic or your relationship, again, being open to change. A lot of it is being aware of change and growth as positives, checking in with each other regularly, understanding if somebody is needing something to change, to be added, to be deleted. That's computer. Um, no, I like using a computer. I mean, I say download all the time. Yeah. I think we should definitely talk about ourselves as machines. Continue. Um, but to maintain that conversation, so much of the time a relationship can just kind of mosey along. And even if two people are changing, they may not be connected enough to even realize it. And then you have one or two people who are in a relationship going through changes on the inside, but not being seen by their partner. And that's really lonely. To, to discuss those things, to talk about those things, to share those things with each other, that's really, really important. If you're not talking, if you're not checking in, if you're not hearing each other and being there for each other, you're missing out. Ultimately, you're missing out on not only your partner's growth, but you're missing out on your own because chances are you are just shoving things down you in know a what? bad way. Something I'll say that can be kind of scary, like it's scary to tell your partner no or I need a change or this is a new boundary that wasn't there before. Like that's hard to do. But if you're with the right person, I, I have experienced there's a respect that grows when you look at each other where you are and you go, wow, I admire the person I'm with for doing that thing. I admire the growth in this person. And like I know something that like I like to do is celebrate. And this is another piece of advice. Celebrate the victories. Celebrate the changes, no matter how small they might seem. I, I celebrate any time we change a pattern in communication that was unhealthy before that is now healthier. Just today, we had an interaction that could have been back into the pattern. And we sat there and we identified this doesn't feel like a conversation. This feels like something else. And we engaged differently and it was a different outcome. 
It was the same outcome, but it was a different feeling in the outcome because we took the time to identify a communication mistake and we ce- I, I celebrated immediately afterwards and I'm celebrating right now on the podcast. We changed a pattern today. We challenged a pattern. We're making a new way. And like that type of celebration of growth and acknowledgement of the need to do better and the joy of seeing your partner do better and hopefully the joy of your partner seeing you do better and making that effort, that is also like it reinvigorates a relationship. It freshens it when you see that your partner is trying and making change that is positive for both of you. Like that's really good too. And I want people to understand kind of the dark side of this coin in terms of Yes, go dark side at the end of the episode. Yes. Well, bring everyone down. But it's to help, hopefully, with people not staying there, right? So (laughs) sorry. the dark side of this is often when people are afraid of change, when they fear their partner changing without them. That comes from a deep-seated fear. Uh, Various kinds, but oftentimes there could be a fear of abandonment, There could be insecurity in the relationship, fearing that if my partner changes or if I change too much, the relationship is going to break. And what's sad about that is that it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. It can be, well, let's just stop all this changing stuff because we're afraid that if one or both of us changes, we won't want to be in this relationship anymore. So let's stay the same. Let's let's make a bunch of rules and let's, you know, make sure that that we keep all of the things the same as now, right? And the problem is that that's exactly what's going to lead you down the path towards the relationship breaking. Yeah, I, I would say that both Mr. and I can speak from personal experience and past relationships. We've both been through a divorce That is the thing that most tanked my past relationship was me and my ex being completely and totally unwilling to change in a way that was healthy, acknowledging the change in the other person. Like I was as guilty of this as my ex was. It's toxic, right? And you can't, you can't stay the same for somebody else. It's not, nothing is worth that. Nothing is worth losing yourself, you know? And that's really hard to hear and hard to hold, but like, hopefully, hopefully, We make decisions after experiencing things like that where we find people who are there because they love who we are and who want to know who we're going to become. Hopefully we choose partners, and I hope this for all of you listening, that you choose a partner or partners who are really there to cheer you on and watch you grow. And it could be devastating, right? Devastating to talk about. It could be that somebody loves you and you still have to part ways because you're not compatible anymore. And that's a devastating. Like it's, it is really hard to hold that that can happen. But also the opposite can happen. But also that's a success. It is still a success. Yeah. It's still a success. You know, I, I really don't like it when people say, oh, my relationship failed because it ended that ending may have been the success of the relationship. And it also doesn't mean that the entirety of the relationship was a failure. You probably not you, but like general, you probably learned things in any relationship, any relationship that we have, we learn something even when those relationships end. And so a relationship ending, it doesn't have to be a failure. Most cases, that's a success. Knowing when it should end is success. Like a TV show. Because a lot of people, yeah, like <laughs> like Shit's Creek. 
Um, you gotta know when to shout stop. Out. You gotta know when yeah. to stop. Westworld, you should have stopped after season two. Uh, you needed to know uh, when to stop. Um, but anyway, yeah. So you know, shift perspective a little bit. Shift perspective and understand that we can create exactly what it is that we fear by leaning into the fear itself. Yeah. Mic drop. So on that note, <laughs> thanks for asking the question, Hamburglar. We hope that you all enjoyed our response. Um, again, your mileage may vary, but uh, I think pretty some of these, these points are pretty universal. We did go a little deep on this one as well. Um, it is really bizarre. <laughs> it's really bizarre. I'm just speaking personally at this point, but like it's bizarre to be this open and this talking about our relationship on a podcast. Um, I have had multiple times where I'm wondering, like, do I want to continue to do this to this level? I think tonight I really wanted to dive deep because I really strongly believe in transparency when it comes to speaking in spaces like this, where like a lot of you, you know, we reach a decent number of people and I would hate for any of you to look at our relationship and think, oh, that is perfect and that's what I want and that's the way it's done. I would hate for you to think that because what we have is a living, breathing organism that has been ill, that is healing, and that is way worth our time. I love this woman very much. I think it's very evident when you listen to anything where I talk about her. Uh, and I feel very loved by her. I feel more loved by her now after some of the things we've been through than I, I have ever really truly known. You know, and um, yet, I don't ever want any of you, any of us, to idealize or look at someone else's relationship and think that that's how it's supposed to be. And I would like for you to hear how much change and struggle has happened. And it is beautiful that we're still together. And it is beautiful. We have a beautiful relationship. But um, it's not It's not always easy. It's not perfect. It, it, it's interesting and bizarre to speak about it because um, it's hard when it's hard. You know, it's hard when it's hard and there's this public image of like, it's not, you know. And so at this time, I feel very joyful and very hopeful and very good. But like, not all the time is it that easy. Is it that good? And, and you have to make decisions in relationships where you decide to stay and to see what happens. You decide to stay and to work because you love the person and you have faith that something new can come, you know? And so I, I wanted you to hear that today, to hear that if you are in a place where it doesn't feel easy, it does not feel good, you love somebody, but you're just not sure, like, we have all been there. Relationships are not a straight line, you know? Um, and it, it, it can be okay. And no matter what, you will be. Even if you have to part from somebody, it will be okay. But what's most important is that you take joy in the people around you, joy in yourself, um, and that you have a growth mindset, that you are always looking to be the best version of you you can be. So hold that there. Know that we, your friendly neighborhood kinksters, are far from perfect, but we are people who are trying our best. We love each other. We're grateful to share what we do with you. We hope that you enjoy the little glimpse into who we are. And we hope, um, we hope to keep doing that. Knowing that y'all are there gives me hope. And I hope, I hope you, you tune in. Um, we want, of course, do a shout out 
Michelle, you want to shout out our people? Sid, Lena, and Tussled. Y'all are amazing, and we really, really just fucking appreciate all of you. We fucking do. <laughs> and of course, our Call Me Kinklings, Jenny and Pudding. Pudding. Thank you oh. both so much. Oh, <laughs> I thought well, we were going to take turns, so I said it. <laughs> you did good. We, we did it together. Um, yeah, we have a couple more episodes coming out this December. We're planning to put those out there. Um, and then next year, we're going to be changing some things up. So keep an eye out for that. We will we will publish publish that and, and get our Patreon in order and everything else. But we'll, we, we rest assured, we rest you assured, you rest assured <laughs> that we will make sure that we can produce some form of content consistently for you that works for our life and that still supplies you with the amazing case for kinky <laughs> stuff that you have come to love. And or we will, and we, to we fill will. your mornings. I don't know if you love it. You're like, oh, this will do, I guess, while I'm driving to work. Whatever the reason is, we'll still be here and we'll be here stronger than ever because it'll be as sustainable as possible for our life. And we'll make sure to keep you all updated. We will we will talk about it on the podcast as well for those who, you know, may not follow us as closely on the on the social medias. Um, but we'll keep you all posted. And uh yeah, we look forward to time with not only family, but chosen family and friends. And uh, as we come to the last few episodes of season two. All right. Be well, precious kinklings. Bye. Bye. Bye.